I'm Joanne Wilson, and this is Positively Gotham Gal. Small, meaningful conversations with women entrepreneurs about their approach to life, business, and everything in between. Joanna McFarlane is the co-founder and CEO of Hop, Skip, Drive, the safe and dependable ride service that helps parents get their children where they need to go. Think of it as Uber, Lyft for kids. Before starting Hop, Skip, Drive in 2014, Joanna spent 15 years leading product management and business development for a wide range of top technology and online brands. Her career spans executive-level roles at companies including Wedding Channel, Green Dot, YP, and Oversee. You know, you have a really interesting background in how you sort of got into this world. I mean, you were an accident. Right, total (laughs) accident, right? I mean, and talk a little bit about what you did. You know, you went off to college. Yep. I went to college. I knew I wanted to see a different part of the country. I'd grown up in Denver. I love Denver, but wanted to see a different part of the country. I loved marketing at that point. And... The truth is a couple kids in the class above me went to Penn and were like, it's a great school. You're like, like, okay. (laughs) And that's how I ended up at Wharton. (laughs) That's hilarious. Did you go visit it? Yeah, I visited and I fell in love. And I got to Wharton and everybody at Wharton was all about investment banking. And I, you know, my dad was an oral surgeon. I had no idea what investment banking was. (laughs) And nobody could actually explain it really well. And so, um, you know, I had some really bad marketing internships where I was, you know, faxing and copying and doing nothing and learning nothing and getting paid nothing and realized that everybody in that industry, somehow daddy was supporting them and that wasn't an option for me. So you decided marketing wasn't for you. So the next summer I said, I'm going to try an investment banking or consulting internship because if I hate it, at least I will only hate it for three months and I can say that I've done it and I've learned. Um, And I was horrible at case study interviews. Um, and so I ended up in investment banking. (laughs) (laughs) You finally figured out what it was. I I figured it out on the job, (laughs) I think, what it was. And it was, it was like the light bulb went off. I mean, it was, it was an incredible experience. I was in the financial entrepreneurs group at Smith Barney and I did a ton of faxing and copying while I was there, but I was learning so much. And, which um, is amazing. Which is amazing. And And you didn't stay. How long did you stay? I went back after school and I was there for two years. I did an analyst program. It was then Solomon Smith Barney and City. I think I had like four business cards at that point in time. I mean, it's. I mean, (laughs) I can go back to like the banks, like Manny Hanny. I mean, it's just like you know, (laughs) it's unbelievable what's happened to them. Yeah, yeah. And then you went to business school. Well, then I went to do private equity. So Ah. I said, I I really am enjoying this, but I want to now get a little bit closer to the portfolio companies. And so I moved to Dallas to work for Hicks Muse. Uh, They had offices in, they were headquartered in Dallas with offices in New York and London. And I wanted to go to London. I had never lived abroad. And so when they asked, you know, Dallas or New York, I said, London. I said, this isn't multiple choice, (laughs) you know, but come to Dallas for two years and we'll send you to London for the third year. I spent three years in Dallas. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) So I moved to Dallas, Texas. All my friends in New York thought I was crazy. Um, but I kind of needed a change of pace and well, that would be a different change. It, it was a different New York. It, yes. it was a different change of pace, but it was great. I was making New York salary. I was living in Dallas. It was super central. We could get anywhere and I learned a ton and I worked very closely with some of the partners on a few of our operating companies. And really I just kept getting closer and closer to the operations. And what I realized was 
I didn't love the financial engineering side of the business. I thought it was intellectually interesting, but it didn't get me out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. But working with our portfolio companies and really helping them think through strategy and you know figuring out how to figuring out how to get a working capital revolver so that you could get goods on a ship from China in time for the Christmas season, you know, that was really interesting to me. But the most tax efficient way to merge two companies together wasn't, you know, wasn't getting me out of bed. Well, it's interesting. Except, you know, when you think about that shipping, it was, it's more about figuring out how it gets done. Yeah. It's a game. Yeah. It was, it was solving problems. So it was figuring out there's 8 million problems, figuring out which ones are going to make the most impact and how to solve them. That's great. And um, and so I loved it. I spent three years there. I had met my now husband, so I'm a converted Texan. So he was in Dallas? Yeah. Ah, so it was worthwhile. So it was worthwhile, and I now go back to Dallas a couple times a year. That's great. <laughs> um, and, and from there, I, apply, I went to business school. So I went to business school. Um, On went the to, West Coast. I went to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had a, a 212, 213, 214, and 215 area code nice. in my life. <laughs> 216 is Cleveland. I don't have any plans to go there, but you never know. Um, but yeah, we, we went out to the, the West Coast. We went to Stanford, and my now husband came with me. And everybody there was all about startups and entrepreneurship and starting a company, and that just sounded crazy to me. And I couldn't figure out, you know, I'd come from hardcore leverage buyout, cash flow businesses. I didn't understand VC at all. You know, how do you put, a, I was like, how do you put debt on something that doesn't even have revenue? Like, I don't understand this. That's a very good question. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. Your father um, was an entrepreneur. I mean, I think that anyone in a medical profession yeah. that builds a, their own profession and clients, that's entrepreneurial, right? He was, yeah. He'd started his own practice. I didn't think of it that way then. But now you can. But now I can, and, yeah. And, and did your mom? My mom's a social worker, you know, but her parents were immigrants and came over, you know, they came here with nothing. She was four at the time and they didn't speak any English. And they were also very entrepreneurial in making a very nice life for themselves. My right. grandmother was a teacher and went to school back in Poland, but went to school here and became the principal of the Jewish community uh, preschool. That's great. And um, and my grandfather was a furniture repairman and they worked incredibly hard and, and saved everything to give us um, the opportunities that we had. Right, which is cool. So here you are at Stanford and everyone's talking Startup Central. Yes, and I thought they were insane. Uh-huh. Um, but I, you know, I, I never saw myself starting a company. That was never part of the plan. I, I liked working with companies. I liked being part of teams. I liked creating something well, and building love something. Teams. Yeah. Women love teams. That's more, it's more fun. It's fun to collaborate. It is to fun to something. collaborate. It's nice to know there's someone to, you know, bounce your concepts off of. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of women, unfortunately, don't go into the venture world is because it's a very solo-oriented job. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So you graduated and you moved we to We graduated. LA. We moved to LA. My husband's a writer. And um, and I took that as an opportunity. I thought, you know, I'm just out of school. I can get a job. What am I going to do? This whole tech thing, I didn't understand it while I was at Stanford and it, it felt a little scary. And so I thought, well, why not? Like, <laughs> it's time to dive in. And, um, and I joined a company called WeddingChannel.com, mm-hmm. and I was on the business development team managing our registry partnerships, working with Macy's and Bloomingdale's, and, um, and building up that business. And that's when I really started to learn. I, I started to understand what a tech company was and what product was and how it all worked together, and I really enjoyed it. And how you scale. And yeah, we were acquired by The Knot. And um, at that time, I started talking with another alum, of, another Stanford alum who was at Green Dot. 
which was a growing company at the time. Yes, it was. They were just, they had just gotten a deal with Walmart and were looking for somebody to come in and, and run that business for them. And so I joined, there were, we were um, in a pilot in 400 stores and I ran the Walmart money card and grew it to 3,500 stores. We completely rebranded the product. We launched the first Visa gift card for the company. Um, so you actually were... Be- a marketer. I was a marketer. It was it was it was a great experience. It was it was technology. It was product. It was but it was retail too. I mean, you had physical inventory. You know, it was you would get a call and there was a truck in Kentucky overturned with you know thousands of Visa gift cards on right. the side of the road. Like, what do you do now? And uh, you know, solving those problems was was fascinating and and, um, and fun and fun. And it was just it was really fun to be part of that. I learned a ton. It was a great team. And, um, but I was traveling a lot to Bentonville. I mean, I was going to Bentonville almost every other week. I'd had my first child. I've been to Bentonville. <laughs> Bentonville's a great town. I can tell you all about the embassy suites. Um, I was there when the P.F. Chang's opened. It was a red carpet ceremony. Yes. Uh, but I, I love Bentonville and I love going, but I didn't love going once I'd had my son. Right. Um, you know, I didn't want to be on the road that much. And so I ended up leaving with uh, some friends, some colleagues from Green Dot had joined AT&T Interactive or YP.com, whatever you want to call it these days. Mm -hmm. And so I went there and I went there to do product strategy. I went and worked for a friend of mine and I thought it was going to be this kind of internal consulting deal and I would do big thinking and make pretty decks and, you know, figure out online advertising. Mm -hmm. And I got there and, and Will said, you know, about two weeks in, he said, we sort of have our strategy figured out. We need operators. So you're going to go run the publisher product team and run our APIs. And I said, okay, great. What's an API? Um, and, and I learned very quickly what it was and what that meant to our partners and how we manage the business, not just on our own property, but distributing, you know, millions of SMB listings to other properties. And I was there for, I think three years I'd had, now I had my second son. Mm And I'm here, I'm with two children. They were older now. They didn't need a nanny anymore. They were in school and they were after school programs. So they were, they had care, um, but I had no way of getting them anywhere. And, you know, I felt, I was feeling really guilty telling my son, I'm sorry, you can't do karate because it's on Tuesdays at three o'clock and mommy can't get you there. And I was at a birthday party. So this is about three years ago. I was at a birthday party and all the moms were standing around talking about this particular challenge as moms do at birthday parties. And particularly in Los Angeles. Particularly in Los Angeles where there's so much traffic and people are working all over the city and, you know, it was the con, like, I need to get mine here on Tuesdays. Can you help? Or I need to get this one here. What are you doing about this? And have you guys thought about camp? And how are you going to get them to camp? And, and everybody was complaining about it and saying there has to be a better way. And as a joke, I said, you know, we should all pony up and put money in the hat and buy a van and hire all the stay-at-home moms and babysitters in the neighborhood to drive our kids around. And everyone kind of went, oh, yeah, 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 whatever, kind of laughed. And uh, my co-founder, Janelle, looked at me and said, that's really interesting. How would that work? And she said, I have three kids. Two of them are competitive gymnasts. Like, I'm screwed. Well, it, it's interesting because, you know, my, my brother and sister-in-law are here. And I have seen her. Now, now, thank God, you know, my oldest niece can drive. But it was like every time she was – the coordination of who picks up and gets to school and how it goes and afterwards and where you are and who's the driver. Yes. It is a logistics nightmare it's and a it takes up nightmare. half your brain. Yeah. And you've never solved it. 
Because even when you've solved, you know, maybe you've solved baseball season, because that's great now it's soccer season. Completely. You're constantly starting over. You're constantly, you know, I was that taker mom who was always begging for favors from friends and I could never reciprocate. Um, you know, you're setting up carpools. It takes one carpool kid for that carpool to fall apart. I mean, right. it's, it's always at the top of your mind. Right. Even when you've solved it. No, it, completely. Because you're like, where are my children? Yeah. So you and Janelle. So we started meeting at her house on Sunday mornings. And, you know, I'd bring the kids over. They'd play in the other room. And we would sit at the dining room table. That was our garage, I guess. And we mapped out what this would look like. And it started really just as intellectual um, you know, fun, fun and, yeah. and just, uh-huh. it was an intellectual extra, an intellectual stimulation, you know, job wasn't that exciting. This was, you know, great way to think about something fun and new and different. Um, and it just, it got so compelling and the problem was so big and, and I just, I became consumed with it and I was completely obsessed. I was spending all my time at my day job thinking about this and researching things and, and it just, it got and to the behold, point. lo and behold, entrepreneur. Yes. It got to the <laughs> point where we couldn't not do it. Right. Um, you know, we sort of had no choice. And and there were a few inciting incidents along the way. I had some, um, I had some things in my personal life. I had a, a two very, very close friends that I lost uh, within like three weeks of each other. Right. And it was just, it was a wake up call. It was my friend, they lived their lives very passionately. And I would, I didn't want to not take this chance and not take this risk and look back and say I didn't live my life the way that they would have wanted me to. Right. Um, and that was sort of the kick uh, to help me realize that it wasn't as big a risk as I thought it was. That, you know. Why not? I, I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to put my kids out on the street. Like if, right. this, if this didn't work, I could go get another job. You know, maybe we take on a little bit of debt, but it wasn't going to be the end of the world. Right. Um, but it took a long time for me to get really comfortable with that idea because I thought – you know, there's no way we, you know, if I'm going to do this, I have to go out and raise so much money so I can pay myself the same kind of salary I have now. And I can't start this until I've done that. And it, it, I just finally realized like, no, nope, you know what? I can just quit my job and do this for a while and see what happens. And, and, you know, maybe some money will come along the way. Right. Right. So, and then along the way we met, we met Carolyn, our third co-founder through um, an advisor and dear friend. Um, so you do have a team. We, we have a team. Yes. So, so Carolyn, was introduced to us. And the three of us came together and um, we have very complementary skill sets. Carolyn is a lawyer. She handles regulatory and compliance and insurance and, and all those things. You know, her, I, you know, she, she loves thinking about city council and regulatory change and all those things that, you know, most I, people don't. The, the, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Janelle is brand and creative and voice and, and I sort of get to do everything else. Um, but you're a great leader and you're we, an <laughs> Yeah, I, I bring that. Right. Um, and and we dated for several months. I mean, the three of us really, I think that one of the nice things about being older and, and starting a company is we sort of, you know, while this is our first one, we, we knew that, we knew what getting married and having kids was like, and we knew that we were effectively about to have a baby together. Um, and so we took that very seriously, and we dated for several months, and we made sure that we respected each other, that we could argue well, and be very open and honest with each other. Well, that's great advice to people. I do think that older uh, founders, you know, they've been around the track, and they know they have a better idea of how to get from point A to point D. Yeah. So you launched, and what was first day looking like? We launched. I, I worked with a, an engineering colleague of mine, um, 
from AT&T Interactive. And, you know, we were both still employed at the time. We were building this nights and weekends. We, we went on a couple of pitch meetings and it was very clear that we weren't going to raise money right, right away. You had, you had to um, launch. We, we had to launch. We had to show the distraction. Yes. And you also launched Hop, Skip, Drive at a point where transportation was so changing um, in the startup venture world. Yes. You know, I don't want to say the rest of the world. Because, you know, I love when I meet friends and they're like, you know, I saw this thing. It's amazing. It's just like, yeah, well, I looked at it five years ago. So, you know, we're in this sort of like myopic space of things that we're seeing because, you know, we're seeing all the companies sort of begin and get traction. And so you decided... I need to launch and see what happens. Yeah. So we we raised some friends and family money and, you know, we knew we didn't have nearly enough, but we just kept going. It was sort of like, all right, this is what we have now. Um, And hired our first engineer and our first customer support person. And we did our first rides um, in a pilot mode. We did free rides and starting in November of 2014. And um, I'll never, you know, the first ride was Janelle's son. Um, and we were all crowded around the monitor watching it to make sure that it was working and that we could track and we could see everything. And we were also watching Janelle because, you know, she knew what was going on. She had started this, but she was a mom and her child was in a car and she was nervous. Right. And I think that really helped us think about, um, think about the brand and think about what it means to use this service and how we need to talk to parents. And, and that this is, you know, it is something that changes their lives. And we hear it over and over again. This is game changes, this is game changes, this is game changing, but it's hard to take that first leap. Yeah. And I think seeing that um, just so up close was really helpful for us. Right. God, I remember, and I think I've told you stories. I was standing on the Upper East Side with my three kids and Jessica, my oldest, needed to get to some program. And it was you know, a cold day. We were standing on the corner. I couldn't get a cab. It was like your classic New York City 4.30, like you aren't getting a cab. And, you know, finally, this gypsy cab pulls over. And there, I don't even know if she had a phone at that point. And I remember thinking, do I put her in this cab to get to where she needs to be? Because I got to take these other kids somewhere else. And we lived downtown and, you know, and Jessica was always very like, I'll be fine. And I thought, you know, the guy looked fine. It was in the car <laughs> and I was just like, okay, you know, I negotiated the money and, you know, and I did it and it ended up fine. But I have to say like the entire course of the afternoon, I was like, God, I can't believe I did that as a right. parent. And so when you told me about Hopscape Drive, the concept ride services for children, Yep. I mean, my God, it's like incredible. Game changer. Yeah. And I think, you know, that story you tell, like, I cringe hearing it, but as a mom, I totally get it because we make choices all the time as a parent. Being a parent and being an entrepreneur is sort of like you're making the best bad choice totally. of the options in front of you yeah. at any given time. Yeah. I mean, it was just like one of those things. <laughs> well, and and I think from the beginning, you know, it was what would this need to look like for us to use this service because right. our kids use it. And well, you're so three moms. We're three moms. And so from the beginning, it was all about safety. It was all about, you know, what would what do these what do our drivers need to look like? What does the safety features need to look like? What does the experience of a ride need to look like uh, for us to do this and for right. us to do it regularly? Because that's how thousands and thousands of others are gonna use right. it. And it really is it's caregivers on wheels. You know, it is a ride service and we're a transportation company, but really it is caregivers on wheels. I love that. That's a great line. So, so you're in three cities right now. 
as you've sort of gone from the, you know, I can run a huge team in, in a large company to, oh my God, this is my own team in my own company. Are there things that you learned along the way through this that you're like, oh God, we should have done this or we should have done this. Oh, I learn that every day. That's good. <laughs> I think there's something to learn every single day. I mean, you know, it started, I, I think we try to listen to our parents and our drivers as much as we can. And, and you know, very early on, we changed um, how we paid drivers because of driver feedback. Um, you know, we didn't initially pay for time. It was just for mileage. And we were hearing from drivers, especially in L.A., you know, it can take a long time to get five miles. And so, you know, in order to compensate fairly, we changed our whole pricing structure. Which makes sense, like a taxi. Right. We've learned, like, how important the website is. Uh, you know, parents want to be able to book on a website. They want, you know, they're looking at the color-coded Google calendar of where all my gaps are this week or, mm -hmm. or where all my overlays are this week and where I'm stuck. Um, and that's not necessarily a mobile experience. Um, and they'll they'll use both, but for different use cases and instances. I totally and so get we've, that. we've learned, uh, we knew that at the beginning. We launched web only, but I think we've just validated that along the way. We've learned things with team. We've made mistakes. What I said when we started this was I want to build the kind of company that I want to work at. But it's really hard. It's really hard to build a company and continue to grow and continue to expand and do all these things and make sure that, you know, the culture is exactly what you want it to be and that you're providing these opportunities. I mean, it's, you're constantly thinking about 8 million things yeah. all at once and trying to prioritize and trying to manage your time. Um, yeah. Well, as you're growing, it's hard. Yeah. You know? and where do you see the company being in five years? Do you see this being in cities across the country. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And are you hearing from parents and people in other cities that have heard about it? We hear from parents all the time. You know, when are you coming? When are you coming? And I say, we're coming as soon as we can. I think it's, you know, when I look at the markets that we're in and the opportunity in those markets, well, huge. it's it's massive. Yeah. But, but we're very focused, you know, uh, we want to make sure that we have everything right when we do go to new markets, because this is one that I think you can't grow too quickly, quality is incredibly important. It's one thing if if Instacart brings the wrong brand of soda Completely. or messes up your, you know, we don't have, we have children in these cars. Yes. And so the quality really has to be there. And, and really it's the quality of the care drivers. Right. And, and the know, training of the drivers and the insurance and everything around yeah. it. Right. You know, it was something that I wish I had had when my kids were younger. And I also at that point wasn't really working. So it worked out fine for me. But if I was working... You know, how was I going to get these kids around? Yeah. And today, 60% of kids live in households where all parents in that house are working. That doesn't surprise and me. And so it's, you know, it's not even, it, it, it's impossible. And, and if you think about it, kids are doing, and we kind of talked about it earlier, they're doing more and more. They're doing five plus hours of extracurriculars every week. And those are happening at those hours of three to five when mom and dad are at work. Right. And so it's this huge disconnect and this huge challenge. You think about these parents leaving work early to go and, you know, like the sneaking out at 3.30 to get their kids to soccer. And you think about the, the productivity losses from the company's standpoint um, and, and the, just the stress that that's causing right. mom or dad. You know, we've talked, we talked to one of my favorite customers. She was leaving work like two hours early, three times a week to get her kids, go across town, pick up her kids and take them to their competitive volleyball practice. She found us and she said, now she leaves work, you know, 20 minutes early, once or twice a week, gets to practice at the end of practice. So she's still there for five, 10 minutes. She's still present. 
And then she and her kids go home and have dinner together. Which is so and nice. And she's done. She's not stressed out because she missed you – know, she's not at volleyball doing work that she was trying to do at the office. She's not stressed out because she didn't get enough of either. Like she's able to be present when they're there together. Oh, really? And it's – so it's it's – Funny because we, you know, people think of this as, well, I want that time with my kids. We actually have enabled a lot of families to have better time with their kids of course, by taking away stressed. some of that time. Yeah. yeah. And so you got to figure it out so that when they come home, the dinner's made. Right. Right. <laughs> the, the cabinets are, are filled with food, you know? And, exactly. And, you know, and someone's overlooking the kids' homework. Yeah. Exactly. That's the next part. <laughs> but maybe, maybe that's the next generation of Hop Scoop Drive. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. This was a lot of fun. It was great. Once again, thanks to Joanna for sharing her story with us this week. If you'd like to check out Hopskip Drive and the services they have to offer, please visit hopskipdrive.com. Currently, they're in the Los Angeles area in San Francisco, but hopefully they will come soon to a city near you, as I've heard from people in Atlanta, Washington, D.C., and other cities that would love to have Hopskip Drive in their town. If you'd like to stay up to date with Positively Gotham Gal, Please subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, and we will see you next week.